Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 227, and I had a conversation with award-winning photographer Robbie Quinn. I've known Robbie for years. He's a lovely dear friend, and his wife, Kate O'Neill, was on the show as well in the first year of Hey Human, so keeping it in the family here. Even if you're not into photography or, you know, that's not something necessarily interests you, I really recommend this episode. At the very end, Robbie starts waxing poetic and philosophical, and I really love the way it turned uh, as he discusses humanity and how he sees the world. It's really quite beautiful. In other news, uh, Hey Human on social media, it is on Facebook and Instagram. You can find my own personal stuff, Susan Ruthism, at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email me, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. If you go to Hey Human Podcast, you will find a links page, and every episode has a section of links. Highly recommend checking that out. Lots of good information there, including the answer to Robbie's question about where French fries originated. So definitely check that out. <laughs> um, also on the uh, HeyHumanPodcast.com, you'll find the merch page. Yes, it's true. Hey Human now has merch. And we've had some of our first customers for the merch site. It's very exciting. And word on the street is everything is great. So that makes me very happy that people are are excited about the products when they arrive. Uh, so definitely check that out. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you want to know more about me, uh, my music, art, acting, or anything else that might be going on in my life, check out SusanRuth.com. You can also join the mailing list there, which is very exciting. I send out a mailer about every quarter, and if you want that, then definitely sign up on the mailing list. If you're into music, check out my music on iTunes and Spotify, Susan Ruth, of course, and... My friend Sammy and I made a song under the moniker Muskrats, M-U-S-C-R-A-T-Z dot com, Muskrats dot com, and go check that song out. It's to encourage people to vote, and it's a bit tongue-in-cheek. We had a lot of fun doing it, but the sentiment is very real. The idea of the song is tongue-in-cheek, but we do want everyone to go out and vote. Also, if you are inclined to donate blood and you are physically able to do so, The American Red Cross is looking for donors, so definitely check out blood drives in your neighborhood or your town or village or wherever you're listening from. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe, be well, and here we go. Robbie Quinn, welcome to Hey Human. Thank you very much. It's good to see you again. Absolutely. Great to hear from you, too, and see you. Yeah, you're in New York, right? I am. I am uh, about a block and a half away from Central Park. Mm. Lovely. East or West Side or Mid? Or- uh, I am. Uh, if somebody out there knows where Columbus Circle is, it's the southwest corner. And I'm uh, just around the corner from that. Lovely. Now, how, yeah. long, how long have you and Kate lived in that area? Let's see. Uh, coming up on five years. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I love it here. Uh, you know, I was born not too far from JFK Airport. I did not know that. I kind of feel like a, a, a salmon that has uh, returned to its birthplace to die. Oh, <laughs> no, let's, let's try not. Not anytime soon. Let's hope not. Yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> I've known you forever. What, how long? Have, it's been a decade, I think. Yeah. What? That I've known you. Oh, yeah, at least, yeah. 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 How is New York's mood right now? I I think overall I feel like it, it's positive. Everybody's experiencing uh, a lot of traumatic things at the moment. The people I've talked to that have been here a long time, uh, a lot of people will bring up September 11th and about how our city has bounced back from that and that we always have this hopeful, I, I can't, I will survive kind of attitude. It's, uh, sadly, a lot of people haven't survived the last couple of months here, but, uh, but I feel like 
the overall attitude is we're coming back bigger and better than ever. Good. New York strong. Yes, that's that's uh, actually uh, is it New York strong? That's a hashtag, and then they have New York tough is been plastered across Rockefeller, uh, Rockefeller Center's uh, ice skating rink. Lovely. Uh, yeah, it's a moment right now where everybody's reevaluating uh, what's really important in the world. I'm, I think. A lot of people that I know, they're they're searching for the opportunities that are there, and not you know just not material ones, but there people are looking for opportunities to be better people, better neighbors, and uh, just try to make it a better community. There's that deep reevaluation about you know what what makes me happy, what what do I really need, how do I connect with the people in my orbit, all of that. Sure, I've had people from uh, all other, really virtually all over the world check in with me. You know that New York City has been the epicenter for uh, the virus, and you know it's it's always been an activist city. And everything that's going on with Black Lives Matters right now is is at the forefront here. Through my travels and just through connecting with people. On the internet, I've had people from lots of different countries reach out, ask me how things are going here. People, you know, from other countries are, maybe they're just being nice, but they're making an effort. They're saying, like, is there anything I can do? I mean, like, you know, there's, you know it's, it's, it's a nice sentiment. Do you feel that as a photographer that you are able to speak a different language they absorb things that most people don't notice or say or see because you're you're zoning in through this lens that it, the, the language of the photograph is different than the language that we use with each other when we talk you know, I, I, I've searched that because I only know my perspective and I don't know that uh, I don't know what a quote unquote non photographer's perspective necessarily is. I still have it. And uh, it was for my mother, but, you know, she wasn't too into it. So I played around with it a little bit. And then I had a little 110 camera. If, uh, if you've ever seen however many decades it's been in existence, uh, that that we are looking, even if we don't have a camera in our hands, we're looking at the world through a quote-unquote different lens. We're, uh, I always tell people my biggest skill set is uh, ADD. You know, I don't know, I've never been diagnosed or anything with it. I'm always looking around for the something shiny or the squirrel, and you know, and, and so I feel like... Uh, Throughout, when I'm looking around, I'm looking for something else that maybe others might not see. And generally, um, you know, I have a realistic view, but I also tend to put on the rose-colored glasses. And I'm, I'm looking for the good. I'm, if I can find something that can give myself and others some hope in humanity, that that we do have this common bond throughout the world of being humans that I want to I want to capture that and I want to interview the people I want to listen to their stories and share them with others kind of the way you do <laughs> yeah absolutely different different sides of the same coin for sure do you when did you start being a photographer did you have something else you did before you picked up the camera so at an early, I'll give you the, the quick rundown. At it. Uh, I've always been taking photos. You know, I, um, my father had bought my mother uh, one of the very first Polaroids where here we, I got the Polaroid. No, the, your audience can't see this, but I'm wearing the Polaroid shirt. But my father bought uh, my mother a, a Polaroid camera, a land camera, when they very first came out. He has, it's actually a collector's item because it was an alpha. Anybody out there that knows what an SX-70 alpha is, they'll go, wow. Back in the day, the little thin rectangular cameras that you, uh, I, I always felt like they were a, a, like a spy camera because it was pretty small. Actually, before being a photographer, I was a musician played CBGBs in the, a place called the Cat Club that's gone in Philadelphia. We played the Trocadero and a lot of colleges and 
We were played on a lot of radio stations. What was the band? Uh, the band was called The Score, and uh, there's, um, although we were, we were never signed, we, we broke up with uh, all the record companies pursuing us. We got in a fist fight on stage, and, and that, that was it. Uh, fortunately, I'm... <laughs> so rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, the person that uh, yeah, I was involved in the fight, the person that was I was involved with the fight with, fortunately, after... Uh, five years we're, we're still the very best of friends uh, five years we didn't speak and then you know we made up and uh, great friends for many years and then after that uh, that transitioned into me being a large-scale concert promoter I had uh, a whole bunch of employees selling ad space and I think that that contributed to me being a photographer because well first of all when I was in the band our uh, the band got photographed off and that kept my interest a little bit and then when I became a large-scale concert promoter I would take pictures at the events to document it and then I uh, became an artist manager and that's what brought me to Nashville where I met you and uh, I was managing a number of acts but I was horrible at it and uh, it's just I don't know. I, I could manage a whole bunch of salespeople, but artists are a whole different breed. So I wanted to, uh, I, w I was actually hiring professional photographers in Nashville. One that I can think of offhand is a, a really wonderful human being, Ben Pearson. He's in Nashville and uh, he's gone on to do some uh, documentary films. And uh, But I was paying somebody like Ben, a lot of money. I had uh, borrowed a Minolta film camera and uh, decided to take photos of some of the artists that I was representing myself. At the time, MySpace was big. And I did the black and white 8x10s uh, promo photos so that they can, you know, with the little information at the bottom of the photo, headshots. And, and I took some other editorial pictures and put them up on MySpace to promote the artists. And then my assistant started getting phone calls. I can remember one, a record producer wants to speak with you. I'm like, great, a great opportunity for one of the artists I'm representing because I'm doing horrible at this. The record producer said, I saw your work. What are your rates? And I said, could you please hold? And I said, somebody actually wants to hire me and pay me to take photos. And the phone calls kept coming. And after like three months, you know, I still wasn't, doing well as an artist management in artist management and um, but I was like I don't think I've done anything for three months except take photos I think I'm a photographer and and that was that I think along with taking photos when I was putting on concerts there were also show programs that were handed out at the events and um, I, and I put together the show programs somewhere in that mix i worked for a newspaper and i was doing display advertising sales and i did the layouts and i think that there's something about photography and ad layouts that correlate in spatial relationship with negative space and things like that and so basically we want it to look cool and i always felt like i think because i was shooting promo shots for my artists and, and other people in the Nashville area that I was always shooting everything like it was a, an album cover. I didn't care what it was. It was like I could take, uh, if I was, if I got a wedding job or if I was shooting something for a Belk department store or anything, I wanted it to look like an album cover. And, and somewhere along the way, our paths crossed and I, I, I wanted to do that with you. And I, I loved uh uh, this I, I have to share uh, your your uh, brainstorm. One, two, I think there were five guys there. Yeah, five guys, and and uh, the concept was I guess you had a song about uh, about someone that couldn't decide what kind of guy she liked, and uh, and so we took these five. I don't know. They were wonderful, willing 
yeah, guys, they, 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 they just very malleable. They were like, yeah. well, we'll do whatever you want us to do. And, yeah. and uh, we created that. And they were all supposed to be like kind of fictitiously in your mind walking around you. Yeah, one Zeke was reading me poetry. Uh, I think David was serving me tea. Uh, um, oh, who was it that was was vacuuming? One was vacuuming. <laughs> there was there was the uh, I like the uh, well first of all David's done very well. Oh yeah. He's gone on to uh, David Meyer, yeah. He's, yeah, he's he's, awesome. he's, a, he's like a rock star. He's a rock star, yeah. It's great. And and uh, but I like the guy that was in the back that was dressed up like the dude. Uh, well, I'm trying to remember all the people that were in it. I know that I Zeke and David, of course, come to mind. Um, and then, oh, the real talk. There was a jock. Yeah, there was the jock. That's right. But anyway, uh, you know, I just, uh, growing up, you know, I was always looking at, you know, we had albums, real vinyl at the time. <laughs> and, and, you know, you would turn, put an album on. And your entertainment at that time was to listen to the record and open up the album cover and read all the album lighter notes and look at the artwork and and um, learn everything you could. But you're looking at that layout and you're you're getting familiar with album cover after album cover. And I worked in a record store when I was in high school and got to know an awful lot about different music and everything. But um, you're just looking at all these album covers and I think it had an impact on me. And, it, and I've gone on to have magazine covers and uh, as a photographer, but I'm still shooting it like an album cover. It's just my whole approach. So a lot of the work that I do that's uh, my personal work on the street is I'm I'm still kind of looking at it that way that I want to um, I'm, I'm shooting more full body because I'm showing this fashion the style but I'm doing it more like a like if you would have seen the Doobie Brothers or the E Street Band where they have like everybody in the band standing around in the back or Leonard Skinner or whoever Doors, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I'll ramble on here, but they. Uh, so when I'm shooting, I'm shooting the whole thing, but I'm still looking for that like hero, rock star kind of shot. I, I've since gone on and shot uh, a number of politicians, and they're like more rock stars than rock stars because they have like bigger egos and more attitude, you know, and. You know, you, you're still looking to try to um, catch both sides of them being very competent, but at the same time approachable and relatable. Your images that you capture are so... The, the stuff you're working on now, not that it's not always been this way, I, I think it has, but you're focusing on the people in the street and their, their wild personalities as embodied in their clothes, is that... or their it's, style... It's, their style, yeah. yeah. I guess I got to back up a little bit, and um, I mean, when back when we were uh, both living in Nashville, I was kind of feeling like I wasn't growing anymore. And uh, Nashville is a wonderful city that's it's just an incubator for people to grow. But at a, at a certain point, uh, you have to leave. I agree with you completely. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to keep growing, and and uh, you know, uh, and I had actually debated on going to L.A. out in out in your country there, and and uh, but I'd been from New York, and and my attitude was always about that L.A. was glam and New York was grit, and and I knew I I'm, I was attracted to the grit, and uh, taken. Uh, trips to both places uh, came up here to New York and it just it really just clicked I had gotten a couple of jobs up here and it all felt right I felt like what was it that really made LA glamour New York grit and it was it's there's a lot of factors but I always tend to focus on the person and the people in New York they're Kind of like right to the point grit and uh, 
you know, a, a lot of people will say, well, they're New Yorkers are rude, and perhaps, but you always know where you stand, and it's very uh, to the point, and which I appreciate because um, sometimes I don't always pick up on the little nuances. <laughs> So now, yeah, I was just intrigued. I wanted to know everything about New York when I moved up here. Even though I live, I was born here, and uh, and our band had played up here. There's a real big difference between visiting or being a tourist or spending a little bit of time, and to really living. Because when I was when I was bo being born here, living out near JFK is a whole lot different than being in Manhattan and uh, where it all seems to really happen. And uh, not that Brooklyn, Queens, and Bronx aren't really cool. Sorry, Staten Island, I'm not really mentioning you. <laughs> Got a whole bunch of people hating me now, but that's okay. But yeah, it's, I, I was really wanting to know, just immerse myself in everything that is all the truth and hype about New York. And, um, like most anywhere, you know, the, the, the most interesting thing about the place is the people, the diversity of the people in New York. Um, my, my barber teaches me some Hebrew, so I leave him and I say, Lahitaro, guy from the Middle East is at my bodega, and I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, Masalama when I'm leaving, you know, and, um, and of course, you know, I'd already known some Spanish, but I'm always trying to pick something up. You're, you can be on the subway and you have 15 different languages going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, having moved here, there's, it opened up a whole bunch of opportunities to really travel and uh, traveling all over the world. And, and I guess getting... Um, an experience to understand and learn about other cultures and uh, that's been really important to me and I feel like right now there's a time uh, obviously pre-virus where, where people were traveling more but also through, uh, through social media people all over the world are talking to each other and there's uh, you know a lot of a lot of governments are looking to establish like isolation uh, governments where we're closing ourselves off from each other. And it's just not the United States. A lot of countries are doing this, but, um, but that's not going to happen because the Internet is connected all of us and we're all talking and we all know that all over the world that there are really there's wonderful people in all the countries that they're telling you that are really bad and uh, it's becoming more and more evident to me that the only people that are bad are the people that are running the countries yeah. and yeah and so um, and and there's a, a real desire for people to express themselves and I guess going back to what you were originally asking um, one way that people really express themselves is through their personal style. That's always intrigued me because, you know, when going back to when I was in a band, you know, you wanted to have an image and it was all about your style and what you were putting across. And so now um, I'm interested in not only everybody, uh, different languages from people, what their perspectives are, where they're coming from, and what they're trying to express through how they dress. And everybody does it. It can be really subtle. Uh, some guy might wear a, a pocket square. It might not seem very adventurous to some, but to him, he might be taking the biggest chance going out there. Oh, I'm going to wear a, going to wear a pink pocket square today. You know, I'm really going risky. But other people, you know, they'll be a little bit more overt about it, and and. Uh, but what I'm finding is that there's a common thread in both of them. They, they, everybody's both trying to say, I'm me, I matter, uh, I have something to say, and I don't want to be, especially in New York, I don't want to be lost in the crowd. And so if you're going to be in New York or any large city, if you're going to stand out, you have to do something to really make it happen. You know, uh, 
what gave you the idea to start collecting up these images into can we talk about the the project or is that still oh yeah yeah no that's fine to to collect them all up into the book and i know that you get a lot of comparisons and and i i get it on a sociological level the humans of new york but that's not what you're doing the humans of new york is more focused of tell the story of who a person is and you're having the image tell the story more than Sure. I have a lot of admiration for Brandon Stanton, the photographer behind that project, and um, it's wonderful. It, it's funny, really hadn't ever researched a lot of other photographers before really getting involved in it because, as I mentioned, how my process of doing so, I kind of just fell into it and then just kept doing it. It wasn't like I was 10 years old and wanted to be in the Beatles, you know, and, and just that was my mindset. It was just like it kind of found me. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I want to be Richard Abaddon or um, the only photographer that I think I really was aware of uh, that because of music was Annie Leibovitz. And, uh, you know, there's, certainly there's many, many great music photographers out there but um, uh, you know I just really wasn't conscious of them and you know as uh, as somebody that you're a songwriter that you know you can't be listening to somebody's song and go like I'm, I'm going to write a song like them you know and everybody's looking to have their own voice their own creative voice and um there was another photographer that, uh, as I was coming up here, that I was aware of, and that was Bill Cunningham. And for people that don't know who Bill was, he uh, has passed away in uh, June of 2017. And uh, Bill had um, worked for the New York Times for many years, 30 years. He, uh, he had a... Uh, um, a column that came out every Sunday. He would, uh, he wasn't taking portraits of people and he never talked to people. Uh, if you look him up, uh, there's, there's a, uh, oh, Mark Bozak has a new documentary on his life. Oh, I don't know, you'd have to look it up, but hey, it's a, uh, it's a tell you all about Bill Cunningham. But, but Bill, um, Bill had been a, uh, a hat maker and he wrote for uh, a fashion review column and then a friend gave him a camera and he just started taking pictures and Bill um, Bill was only taking photos of the of the style sometimes the people's faces weren't even in the photos he just wanted to know about what people were wearing what the trends were and uh, he would go out and take a uh, hundred pictures, and he would see what the common denominators were. And I'm, I'm just saying a hundred. He might have taken a thousand. I don't know. But um, but if he found that everybody's wearing black and white stripes this month, he would he would see a whole page in the New York Times of like a hundred people wearing black and white stripes and. Uh, next week or next month it might be everybody's wearing red hats and that that was his deal so he Bill was really into shooting what the style trends were sometimes people will compare me to that and I don't think it's uh, a fair comparison and I don't think the brand is hands a fair comparison however I do kind of feel like uh I'm their offspring of sorts. I don't know. You know, it's it's because uh, I'm into the style, but I want to know the story behind the style, and I want to know what it means to them personally. And uh, and so, um, is it hard to get people to agree to be photographed? <clears throat> Excuse me. Do they when you walk up to them? Do you say? I'm not a weirdo. I just want to take your picture. <laughs> what do you do? Well, all right. So, yeah, the, the, the photos are posed that I take. And uh, there are street photographers that don't even ask, which is I understand what they're doing. They're, they're looking to get, and kudos to them, a very authentic view of people on the street. Where as soon as you pose somebody now, you know, they're, they're posing. You have to get to 
uh, somehow quickly peel back the layers of uh, whatever front they put up and uh, and get to who they really are. So generally, I will go to areas of the city where I find that people are a little bit more adventurous about how they dress. And there's upscale places that people do this on the Upper East Side, and there's other places down in Soho where, you know, the people are a little more avant-garde and so forth, and, and all over the city. For the marches, I was recently up in Harlem, and I was taking photos up there. When I see somebody, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's something about the way they look that is inspiring to me. It might not be something I would wear. Oftentimes, I would look and I'd be like, well, I would never wear that. But I'm inspired by their confidence or their courage, perhaps, because there is, for a lot of people, they're really, uh, they're taking risks. They're taking risks of ridicule, of, of abuse, and so forth. But there, uh, there's something about it where I see that it's not a quote-unquote costume they're, this is authentically who they are, and I, it resonates with me. And I will just, I'll tell them I, I really like the way a particular particular aspect of them looks, you know. And if people are receptive to that, that's great. And I, I do find that um, when somebody's when somebody's really risking something, or they're they're like doing something adventurous, they're doing it in they may initially be doing it for themselves but they do appreciate it when somebody says you know you look nice and then if they respond well then yeah i'll say would you mind if i take your photo and you know it's it's rare that uh somebody says no sometimes they will they, they might be busy they might be uh might just not want their photograph taken which uh in legally in public when uh, there's, at least in the United States, there's some laws here that many people that are non-photographers don't understand. But if you're out on the street, somebody can just come right up to you and take your photo because you're in a public area. Now, should you take their photo? And that's up to the individual. For me, I, I it's rare that I would take a photo of somebody without their permission. The only time I would is if something was happening exciting, like I was in Notting Hill in London. I had met up with uh, a friend of mine who's, uh, she's a Nat Geo photographer. And uh, we were having coffee and she had gone in back into the coffee shop, we were sitting outside. And as I was sitting outside in my chair, a woman was going by on a scooter, not, not not a Vespa, but like a push scooter. She was wearing high heels and, uh, you know, very stylish. And I just thought it was really odd that, you know, somebody that's so stylish was also wearing, it was also going by on a scooter. So, you know, I just raised my camera, took a quick photo, and the focus really isn't on her. And I don't know her name. I don't know anything. She just kept going. It's more of a scene than, uh, it might even be hard to identify her, but it's just more of a scene. So I'll, I'll do that. I do that with people that are riding interesting bicycles or anything like that. But I always ask. And there you go. Is it hard as a, as a songwriter and a musician, when I hear music and songs, um, unless it's classical music, which I enjoy listening to just because it doesn't have any words or melodies, so I don't have to think about, you know, I just let it play. But right. when there's a song that's got words and melody, the writer in me is zoning in on that, and it's, it goes meta a lot of times. Um, when sure. you, as a photographer, is that true for you when you're in a moment? Do you find it, I guess, distracting is, a, is the only word I could come up with where you're... You're trying to be in the moment, but the photographer in you is still taking in everything as if it were a potential photograph. Oh, you mean like if, I, if I'm not... If you have a camera in your hand and you're just living out in your life, is it? do you, do you always see things as a tableau or are you able yeah. to disconnect um, from that? 
it depends. Uh, if I'm alone, oh, absolutely. If I'm if I'm alone uh, and I don't have uh, my regular camera with me, well, you know, I might just pull out my cell phone uh, and. I, I feel like cell phone photos are extremely valid. Uh, anybody that says a, a cell phone picture isn't a photo, well, sure it's a photo. It's probably a better camera than some professional photographers were using back in the 40s. Um, but, uh, so, uh, but there are times where, you know, a lot of photographers will be like, oh, I always have my camera with me no matter what. I'm always ready. And... Um, I, I feel like there's um, just like anything sometimes it's good to put something down and come back to it put it down and come back to it and um, when I'm with somebody else I really have to discipline myself to uh, focus and be in the present and enjoy their company and not think about photos and uh, most times I can do that because if you're around somebody that's interesting well they'll hold your attention if if I'm starting to think about taking photos when I'm with somebody else that either means I'm not paying a good I'm not really paying enough attention or I'm just not interested in what's happening <laughs> or they're just boring I love looking through your your Instagram is is wonderful. Robbie Quinn and it's R O B B I E Robbie Quinn N Y C. So your Instagram Robbie Quinn N Y C and I love the images. I mean I'm a big fan of yours anyway, but I find myself a lot of times looking at the images thinking, oh, I wish I was so brave as to wear this, and and then I read the caption of what people talk about with their own personal style, and I think. For some of them, it's bravery, but for some of them, it's just, as you said, a manifestation of who they are. And I think, oh, to be so daring and bold and colorful, and I've always envied that in people that, that you know, like Helen, Helena Bonham Carters that just wear the wackiest stuff for the, you know. Sure. You know, for me, though, I feel like what intrigues me about the person is that I can tell that, that what they're wearing, that it helps them be in touch with some feelings about themselves and it can empower them and it helps define themselves for, for themselves, but also for others. And they're, we're, we're all communicating in one way or another. A lot of times uh, I'll go out, I'll wear something that's not very different at all because I intentionally, that day, I want to blend in. I really want to be invisible. And then there's other times where you want to say, hey, here I am, kind of thing. I feel like it would be very hard to make you invisible. You're very tall, very handsome. You, your eyes are so <laughs> bright. I can't imagine you blending in at all. <laughs> well, uh, I'd put on this baseball hat and I'd put on the sunglasses okay. and, you know. I feel like people would just think, is that a movie star? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've gotten. Uh, that, I'm that, sure. It's fun when that happens. I've, I'll be oh, yeah, didn't you see my last movie? <laughs> what is um, the, what's the book called? The, uh, the book is called Street Unicorns. And um, I haven't uh, officially announced it, so here I am announcing it. And uh, I've been very fortunate to... Uh, have a dear friend named Carol Dietz uh, help me put the book together as she had actually also had worked at the New York Times for many years and um, and she's uh, a fabulous graphic display artist editor you know just like if you're a musician you want to have a producer uh, or somebody that is uh, giving you an outside opinion of how to Weak or refine how you're presenting your song and in the same way any art you know if, if you're a painter you have an, a gallery has an art curator you know you might be putting great pieces of works of art together but you know you want to have somebody present them in a way that's uh, uh, 
that you may not think. So Carol has uh, been wonderful in that and really made things come alive for me about organizing it. But the the book Street Unicorns is, uh, it's basically a collection of uh, a lot of people that I photographed. And it also has my own thoughts about why we pay attention to what we're wearing or don't pay attention to what we're wearing and what we're trying to express with that and what we're trying to communicate to others and hopefully get a, a the response we're looking for. And sometimes that response is, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you today. And other times it's, uh, you know, I'm open for conversation. If I see somebody really interesting and they're communicating, I don't want to talk to anybody today. I, I have to be very um, considerate of that or cautious and perhaps wait for them to uh, notice me and see if we want to talk. In doing so, I've met so many wonderful friends. But you had asked me earlier what got me started with this. And I would say that I was um, visiting up in New York. And there's a a woman in Nashville named Cindy Wall. And Cindy had told me that her daughter had had been rooming with... um, this woman here in New York and that I should meet her on a visit here. And I did. Her name's Sephora Solomon. And Sephora, she rides her bicycle all around the city and she puts, uh, she has uh, her own book, The Art of Dressing on uh, Rizzoli Books. And uh, she teaches workshops on how to dress and um, Maybe not necessarily the way she dresses, but in a way that you're being authentic and you're expressing who you are. She's been in documentaries. Um, She's done advertising for Target, Sunglass Hut, and uh, she just turned 70. You know, it's like this, there's this whole movement of, uh, I don't know if it's because of baby boomers or what, but there's this whole movement of, of older models and uh, people that are have vitality in their in their later years but she was um, I, I met her and it was very inspiring and we've since photographed with each other uh, we've done photo sessions probably about I don't know 15 20 times I think the first one I did with her was for uh, a, a company out of Detroit called Shinola they make watches and bikes and uh yeah, so I don't, um, but her, she has a very, very one of a kind kind of style. And I was like, wow, you know, she's like a unicorn. And, and then being in New York, I just kept finding other people that are one of a kinds. We all hear this uh, phrase, normal people scare me. You know, the people that are uh, just very, you know, not out of the box. Uh, I don't, for me, it's not very interesting. I hear the same stories, and I, I want to hear really unusual stories. So I, I seek them out. Yeah. Or they seek, or they seek me out. When, and, when does it come out, the book? That is a good question. Uh, it was on track to, uh, to bring around to some publishers, and uh, now with the pandemic, I, I, I really don't know. We have to still put the finishing touches on it, and Carol and I, even through uh, technology, we really haven't been able to get together to finish it up. So when is it coming out? When is the pandemic over? Right, right, yeah. Robbie, tell people how they can find you uh, aside from your Instagram. R-O-B-B-I-E. Not with a Y, but R-O-B-B-I-E, and then Quinn is Q-U-I-N-N. And I, I think you could I think you could just Google me. But I'll, uh, put, I'll put links for your Facebook and... and but Robbie Quinn NYC yeah. is every... You know, that's... that's um, if you go RobbieQuinnNYC.com, you'll 
you'll find links to, uh, I mean, that'll go to my website. And then from there, I have links to everything, to Twitter, to LinkedIn, to Facebook. And um, and it has a, uh, I, I do have a page for the book. If anybody wants to, if they like what that's all about and they want to get uh, updates on when it's being released or any other information, they can throw their email at me and I'll, I'll keep them posted. Yeah. I remember the other models, by the way. It was Austin was the uh, jock, and Thomas was the one with the vacuum in my shoe. Thomas. Thomas, yeah. Yeah, what's his last name? Do you know? Uh, what's his last name? I did, once upon a time. <laughs> yeah. He was, they're all great people. Yeah, they're- love bugs, for sure. I mean, I think it's all super fascinating, and I... I do think it's wonderful that there are documentarians that are capturing humanity. Yeah, you know, I I feel like I should tell you that, um, you know, it's the photos that I'm taking are about people's style and, and, um, and what it means to them on an emotional level and everything. But as a whole, the when I go back and I and I'm putting this book together, I realize that the book really, the style and the photos um, are just a way of sharing a bigger story. And the bigger story is about diversity and inclusion, about people feeling like they can belong, about all types of people that we have this common denominator. Uh, of humanity and of of wanting to be accepted for not always drawing inside the lines and I've made an effort to find people that uh, I can just list some countries from from Budapest to Switzerland and I don't know Mexico and and I was in Portugal and Spain and London, Paris, um, I don't know, everywhere uh, up in Canada and uh, there's some other places that I've been, I don't know, uh, Australia, yeah, and oh, and, um, in India, Mumbai. I just find that there is this whole aspect of people that they're and not only using their style, but that that's just a, a way to show it. But the people do want to be, they, they, everybody wants to be loved, but everybody wants to be accepted on uh, for who they are. And who we are isn't isn't always the same. I mean, we're not we're not the same. We're all you know different religions, different uh, political viewpoints, different races different countries and whatever but but it, it the fact is is that if we embrace the idea of accepting people it's an opportunity to learn from people and you know learning it just expands our own viewpoint and and helps us connect better I mean you think about it and I go back to New York when that first experiment, the great experiment of the United States happened, you know, people were coming from all over the world to New York. We have things that are that are so typically American now, like French fries. And they didn't, you know, to the best of my knowledge, French fries didn't come from France. Uh, I'd like to think that somebody from France maybe was in the in New York or wherever and and some guy from Ireland brought some potatoes and they're like hey well we can do this but <laughs> but they had to be talking to each other and and uh, you know all if we if we accept and appreciate people that are different than ourselves it's an opportunity to share things about ourselves where, you know, we can, we can get that. Uh, it's, it's not a plug, but we can get our Reese's peanut butter cup. You know, we can, 
but that doesn't happen unless we're really talking to each other. Yeah. And, and, uh, it is interesting to think about how we see a person that that's part of their voice. It's, 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 it's an interesting juxtaposition. You know, I'm looking at you, but the way you're dressed as I'm taking you in, I'm also hearing you. Sure. I love that. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and I think I think anybody that's looking at somebody and saying, well, they're different than me. I don't want to talk to them because I don't feel comfortable. And Okay, maybe you're not going to feel comfortable, but they're missing out on an opportunity. And if they just want to, like, talk to everybody that dresses exactly like them, believes everything that they believe in, is from where they're from, I mean... They might as well just stay at home and talk to themselves. Yeah, it's like it's only when we expand our contact and 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 see somebody and not uh, run away from them because they're different, but run to them because they're different and say, "Hey, you know, you know, what's that all about?" You know, and you know, it's it's why we have. I mean, this whole thing and about like, oh, let's, and I, I don't want to get real political here, but the whole thing is like, oh, well, let's put up a wall and send everybody back to Mexico. And it's like, uh, hello. I mean, who doesn't love people? It's we, we learn so much from each other. And uh, people come from all over the world to go to uh, colleges in the United States. You know, there's just opportunities to do so much. And if somebody travels abroad, you learn so much. There's uh, a great value in appreciating people on uh, for exactly who they are. It's a gift. And if we don't embrace it, we're, we're just missing out on a lot. I agree. What a lovely sentiment to end on too Robbie I really appreciate you taking the time to talk and everybody please go look at his photographs they're exceptional and vibrant and lovely and if you're stuck at home it's a lovely way to see the world from your living room <laughs> thank you yeah absolutely It's and I'm excited for the book to come out especially because I want a sad copy thank you <laughs> there you go alright Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye.